Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's going to die. Come watch TV. Look, Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, we have Yoel Inbar joining us today to discuss the Scandinavian, well, the Swedish film, Force Majeure. But first, I have a question for you. What's the worst thing your daughter could walk in on you doing? <laughs> okay. Full disclosure, this was prompted by a scene in the show we both love called The Americans where <laughs> the young daughter what at that season she must have been what 12 or 13 13 or I think yeah. and she for the first time she was sort of barred from entering the room like <laughs> and so but but for some reason she decides to to, to, to walk to walk and I, in and and it is hard for bedroom. me to think of what would be worse than what they showed like which is just kudos to their writers they're 69 <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about that particular sex act that seems or just worse than like to like anything. it's not like then, anything. Then, <laughs> I can't think of what would be worse. Like that's my answer right there. Cuz you would you would have to explain like like oral sex and then like that combo like that that like well, when I wonder <laughs> both if- people want oral sex at the same time. Right, exactly. She probably doesn't even know yet. She's not old enough to even know about oral sex, period. Uh, you have to watch this. I wonder if it's available on YouTube. If it's not, <laughs> it's the first episode of C- – it's one of the funniest scenes in the history of television. Also, just her face. <laughs> Shocked and confused. <laughs> but I, but that's not my answer, even though there's a great one. I think that the mo- I would hate for my daughter to walk in and see me uh, – writing a contribution to an edited volume <laughs> she'd be like this isn't even going to peer review this is <laughs> so so yoel welcome to the show um do you have any thoughts on this i know you don't have any kids but do you have any thoughts like on a hypothetical daughter around 13 12 years old yeah, uh, and I I was just thinking about how edited uh, volume contributions should only be written <laughs> behind a closed locked door. <laughs> it is a deeply shameful act. It's there's something kind of hot about it. <laughs> you know, when you submit it and then it, the the volume comes to you or the PDF uh-huh. in the plain brown wrapper, like, you open it yeah. up, and you just feel so dirty. You're like, oh god. Can't believe I did I, this again. I even I even hate correcting proofs for a chapter. 
it's like, oh, this is just more a waste of my time. <laughs> well, also, like, how seriously do you take that task? <laughs> clearly, right. clearly not at all. I think I actually think my more genuine answer would be like snorting a line of cocaine. That would be like I would. My hate. daughter practically has walked in on me, like, <laughs> or at least buying weed. <laughs> it's my cold medicine. It's my cold medicine. Can't you tell I have a cold? Oh, here's another really horrible one: autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, that would yeah. be really difficult to explain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Babe, don't worry. I was trying to kill myself. It's it. That's all I was doing. Right. It was an attempt to suicide. Daddy's just kind of sad right now. <laughs> you do that just to avoid telling me. Exactly. After you got your last report card, that made Daddy feel like a failure. And so I tried to kill myself. It was either this or Mommy and I were going to divorce. All right. So before we get to uh, this Canadian film expert, Yoel, who uh, his dissertation was on uh, some Bergman. You know, so, so a little. It was. It, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was early. Yeah. Well, one of my film. one of my PhDs is in Scandinavian film. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't want to say Do that you myself. Focus it's... on Sweden or other like Norway. <laughs> oh, you know, just all over. Just, you film. know, the Finnish yeah. uh, films are really scandalously underrecognized. Yeah. Oh, I, we should say uh, I'm Yoel Embar from the University of Toronto. Right? That's are we doing right. that? Universe. Yes. Yeah. I'm David yeah. Starr from Cornell University. Yeah, I, I, trees, what countries are included? This is a really ignorant question. But what countries are included in Scandinavia? So I always thought Finland was not. Oh, is that right? right? I thought it was Denmark, Sweden, Norway. There should be an encyclopedia that everybody can contribute to <laughs> that would be accessible online. That might have this answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, it always includes the mainlands of the three kingdoms, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. Finland is not Scandinavian, Yoel. Uh, Man, it, God. This is, they're going to take my PhD. <laughs> this is terrible. You guys got to edit this out. PhD I think maybe you might be looking for work. You might have to disastrous. do some stuff in psychology. Or... I'm up for my third year there... review, like literally now. This gets out. It's like it's game over. They're just going to kick me out of the country. We're going to post the, your dissertation on retraction watch. <laughs> This is so shameful. I think you were fooled by just thinking by social psychology that you could just make stuff up. <laughs> yeah, it's Fine. worked so well for me yeah. so far. Because at least making stuff up is just part of what it means to do philosophy. Like, there's no right. There's, there's no pretense otherwise. There's no pretense. <laughs> um, so, uh, so before we get to talking about the movie, though, um, I wanted to do some quick uh, discussion of the Redskins. Um, first of all, to to eat crow about the Washington Post being <laughs> conservative. I Correction. Speaking I of retraction, wrong. watch. Fine. It's not. So I should trust them a bit more. Um, <clears throat> I'm still suspicious of the result, but it, but not because of the methodology. So I just don't know. Um, but I wanted to say, so I have a, um, a student who I mentioned, but not by name, uh, who is a Native American. His name is Adam Alejandro. And I asked him to chime in if he had any thoughts. And he said something interesting, which among other things, he says, uh, first, he doesn't think it matters what percentage of people are offended, which I think is, is a real point that we can talk about later. But, um, and that it's also obvious that not every indigenous person cares about the issue or is offended. Um, but some are, and he points out that when you're talking about sports mascots, um, he says, it's not uncommon to see Native and First Nations people wearing Black Hawk, Indian, and Braves, flat bill caps, shirts, and jerseys because for some it is a way that they can show their Indianness without fighting a battle or having to explain their Native identity. 
it's a social safe zone, if you will. But what I what I've never seen is another native adorn a redskin item for the simple reason that the term is offensive and has a negative history. And then he goes on to cite a professor at Colgate named uh, Michael Taylor, who who's written a book about this um, and outlines sort of the history of the term redskin. So. I, so I, for what it's worth, like if you can call that sort of a tacit endorsement or rejection of 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 the title, doesn't mean they're offended. But if Adam is right that that natives don't ever wear redskin paraphernalia, well, I think, but part of that is the D.C. area compared to the Upper Midwest. The difference in the Native American population is enormous. And no, no, so but he's not. Be. He's saying that they're. I don't. I don't think he's saying that they're regionally endorsing it. He's saying that like natives across the country to show off their identity will pick certain mascots because they they have yeah. an Indian mascot. Right. Um, I see. Okay. Yeah. Isn't it the, the Indians Cleveland. that have Black the little the like the little caricature, which, which yeah, seems yeah. to me like as an outsider to be like. Really, like a sambo, like a sambo of a native American. Like imagine the Jew with the big hook nose and the like, you know, uh, payas. I don't have to imagine. (laughs) I'm looking at you right now. (laughs) They haven't gone to Jews as mascots for sports teams. I have no idea why. Well, you know, the uh, the Amsterdam (laughs) soccer team, their nickname was actually the Jews. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the Dutch soccer hooligans, um, you know, they'll do, like, anti-Semitic chants and stuff, like, you know, if they're, like, from Rotterdam, for example. They'll be like, you know, put them in the gas chambers or whatever, and it's all in good fun. Oh, my God. (laughs) All in good good fun. fun. Are you you offended on behalf of me, Dave? Um, (laughs) You know, another point to clarify. I'm in full agreement that I think it's kind of weird to be actually offended on behalf of somebody because— there, it's almost – and forgive my delving into conceptual analysis. I almost don't know what that means because to be offended to me means to actually like be hurt because it's affecting like the thing that I am. So I'm not offended on behalf of Native Americans. But what I do worry about is whether I'm underestimating the hurt that it might cause other Native Americans. And so call it what you will, but it's more like it's more like just my deep empathy – for not offending other people, not actually being offended. So fair enough. I think we probably agree about that. What about his claim that it shouldn't, because I've heard this too about this issue, it shouldn't matter what percentage of people are offended. I think that might sound right, you know, sort of in theory, but in practice, I think it's got to matter. I, I mean, it matters like if dude. it's zero, right? It, like I could be convinced um, I, I think the more compelling evidence here is that n- the people, like the substantial minority of people who are offended by this term, are offended because it actually has an objective history as a slur. And so I, I think that, like the the its historical uses as intentionally pejorative, matters more than the actual percentage. But you're right. I mean, if zero if zero people were ever offended by it, like. That it would no, matter. N- no, no, nothing. no, but I mean, but like, if, like actual numbers matter, not zero or you know greater than zero, but like you know, because you can always find somebody to be offended at something, and so <laughs> I do think it matters. Just I, I, that's interesting that there's also, in your view, like an objective criteria to it, the or you know the history of that word and what it what it what it meant, but. I also just think, like, even if it was with that history, if 
you know, it was a very t- tiniest percentage of people who were offended by it. I think that that makes a difference. Right. You know, well, but then how do you yeah, come up I, with I, what the percentage should be? That's like right. That's why, five, that's why I don't. That's or... anything. Like, but that's, that's why I don't right. want to. That's why I don't think it's good to hinge it on a number like that because if not if on a instance, specific number, but that's not right. the same way as saying that numbers don't matter. I guess what I'm saying is that the reason that the the objective sort of history of the of the word and the intention behind it matters is because that to me is a better proxy of of whether or not I might be hurting somebody. Like it could be that a so I'll give you an example rather of rather than um, whether they're actually hurt. Uh, well, yeah, just to be to be safe, right? No, it's it matters whether they're actually hurt, but but what you're saying is that you might get like a few just really just oversensitive people and that doesn't matter but but i don't know that right like i can't know that and what i do know though is if a word has been traditionally used to demean somebody then like better safe than sorry and not you not use it what i don't get is why the burden is on like what the other than like the marginal economic costs of changing a logo that you were referring to like why not it, it. Why, when I, you, I don't think I, it's marginal. Yeah, the, yeah I, might I don't be more know why the burden. You think. Like, yeah. so first of yeah, all, but, like you know, you have to do all this rebranding. Um, they have merch, um, and then they also have like a built-up uh, name recognition of that name and of the logo, and that's worth something. So, is it really the case that like a minor league team named the Redskins that like only needed to change like twenty uniforms and a couple of banners? Like, then you'd be like, of course. Well, I don't know, but there is a difference between like what would I personally do? Like, I would certainly never use that word just to be no, safe. No, but would you and, be? Like, but would you? But would you be like, of course? It's trivially true that a minor league team. No, I'm that, just like, saying it's very easy for us to like make a wish list, and in the end, when we're demanding that somebody else does something, we don't know. Like. You, you don't know what the cost is. I mean, but, I'm granting right. that I don't know what the cost is. But if your argument is that the cost matters, I'm asking you if your intuition is that if the cost were marginal, that the burden would definitely be on the team to change it, given the small percentage chance of offending somebody or it's hurting not a bur- kid. Like it's not a clear cut burden. It would just there's more reason to change the name because there's less reason not to. But that doesn't I mean, that just seems natural. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know that it's – that's what I'm debating, whether it's reason not to, um, like the fact that it's just like – Well, if know, they would okay. have to go out of business – or how about this? What if they would have to the, – the cost would be such that they couldn't field a competitive team for 10 years. That would be a consideration that you would have to take into account. I, you know, I suppose. I just – like it's, it strikes me as a, a – like a – a fairly callous way of viewing things given that teams switch cities and logos and like build stadiums for millions of dollars and like the Redskins like I, like the are we really having a pity that. party they for haven't like, done Snyder it, like are we really like it no, seems I, like I, you're, I, poor no. guy so, poor guy so, he might be the worst owner <laughs> this side of Jerry Jones and it seems like you just object to the idea of putting a price on it in general yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I just don't think that in this case, the cost being prohibitive is is like a good argument at all. Like, I, it's it's like like literally they could do one less promo and probably like you know. You I, have I, no idea that that's true. Like, I don't have a good idea, but neither do you. And no, I, I, right. And I, but oh, that's all I'm saying. But I'm I'm admitting that. Yeah, but so so I'm not clear then what the calculus is. Like, if there were a team named the New York Negroes. 
and you were just like, it's going to, you know what, man, this is going to be like three years of not being able to hire free agents. Is the calculus that if 60 or more percent of people are deeply offended, then it's worth the money? Well, it, you know, it doesn't seem right to say it doesn't matter at all how many people are offended. I think that's the only uh, thing we're arguing about is to me, it seems to matter like what the percentage is. And it, I think there's some percentage and it's hard to come up with the exact number, but like where it's low enough that you're like, all right, that's, you know, that's a negligible right. percentage and it's not worth it. And then the question there, is like, and it also seems to matter a little bit, at least what the cost, both to the, to the fan base, mm-hmm. to the team, to the, uh, um, uh, financially, what the, the, the sum total of all those costs are too. That I, seems to matter a little bit. I agree it's that It's an matters. all things considered judgment. Yeah. It is an all things considered judgment. I think that what's happening though, is that I'm representing the, the sort of the, the callousness of continuing to have that name as a, as a larger social cost than you guys are. So then it seems as if the money, the money question is more weighted. Yeah. One real question is what would you do if you're, if you if were I was the, Daniel Snyder? Yeah. I mean, I would, pro- I, I don't know what he deals with. I would probably change the name because I, I I'd need to really talk to people who, say that they're offended and I'd want to talk to them and and get a sense of why. I would want to make sure this isn't an issue where like white people are I mean this is all repeat repeating from last time, but I would want to make sure this wasn't a moral posturing issue and I would want to make sure this was a real issue where people were deeply hurt by it. And then if it was, I would probably change it and um and just deal with you know they have this huge fan base that's going to be really pissed off if they do it because unlike these other teams that move around all the time this team has like as much as it's a it's kind of a pathetic recent history this team has a big tradition in history that goes back since the beginning of the nfl yeah you know like that it that does mean something i'm less swayed by the tradition and history argument than i am by the even material argument because native americans have a rich tradition in history that goes way back right but if they don't really care yeah so that's the question like like i would new new thing to get outraged about then then the tradition you're imputing like yeah you you it sounds like you're saying that what you care about is the sincerity of the people who are offended whereas like just the raw like percentage of people who say they're offended it seem to be what matters no all those things matter everything matters yeah. Okay, so, so we also don't know about this poll, like how good a poll it actually was. How representative yeah. is the sample of Native Americans because they're not homogenous? What did the answer yeah. options actually look like? Because I mean, it's a little weird to ask somebody, "Do you think it's disrespectful?" And then, uh, "Are you offended?" Are there's like a scale? Like, is it either yeah, or, or can you agree yeah. to both? But All I right. do think it matters, and I was struck by it seemed a lot lower than I would have expected. I would have expected yeah. like a solid majority are like, I find that to be offensive because it seems to me as an outsider to just be such a like obviously offensive term that has this history. Um, so that was, I mean, there's something going on and maybe it's just this poll is weird in some way. The sample is weird in some way. But if that holds up, then yeah. Let me just quickly read another excerpt of, of the email that Adam sent me where he's describing the, uh, this book. He says, during the era of the Indian Wars, and I'm sure way before then, settlers, military personnel, and really anyone that wanted to make money could do so through the claiming of quote-unquote redskins. This meant that to claim a bounty, all you had to do was kill an indigenous person and bring proof that you had done so successfully. 
whether it was scalping, beheading, claiming the ear, the hand, if you had a piece of redskin to present to the official, you got paid. And I feel like there might be indigenous people who don't know that and therefore wouldn't be offended. But I don't think that 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 is good. Re- you know, I think that one way so of saying the this ideal is, version of themselves is offended. Well, one way of saying this is actually like it's not that I don't buy your arguments that it's a pain in the ass to change the name. But if we were coming up with new team names, can, like given the state of affairs now, even if it were only 10 percent of, of natives offended by it, would you name a brand new team that? Of course not. OK, that's all. If it's of course not, then I think that we're on the same page. I, I just wait that. I just am mounting an argument for why it matters more than you seem to think that it matters. That's it. Why right? what matters? The history and offensiveness and even the percentage of people who admit to being offended. Why I'm weighting that more heavily I, in the I calculus. Weighed it. I don't know that you are weighting it more heavily. I think uh, I am because I think they should change the name. I do too. Yeah, I, think I, we I all would think do that. it. Then yeah, what are I we arguing? What, I don't know. I, You're just being difficult, as you should. This all is right, now, we, we saw some <laughs> Manufactured consent. I, we should have talked about uh, rationalia, the Dave Pizarro's utopia proposed by Neil deGrasse Tyson, where we live only according to the rules of reason. I'm sure next time we'll have more to say yeah. about it, but I think it's just going to fizzle away as like some yeah. crack-smoking scientists. All right. Ooh, I, that was offensive. Crack smoking scientist. Because um, he's black. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> that is terrible. Uh, the poll is so, just in. 12% of the people were offended by that remark that you just said. This is, All right. Let's come back and talk about what I think, and I hope you guys agree. Don't pull a fucking straw dogs where you just randomly decide to deny the quality of a good movie. I I think this is a really good movie, and I'm excited to talk about Force Majeure after this break. The story is going to be a motherfucker when it come out. Come out. Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. Ford, I just wanted to say right before the break, Tamler just he just said something and didn't allow even like, didn't even leave a breath for me to object. Uh, you referred to the possibility of us straw dogging you, and you defined this as us de- denying the brilliance of an obviously brilliant arbitrarily movie. <clears throat> arbitrarily. And I am a total in total agreement that we should coin the term straw dogging. But what it but what it means to me is somehow irrationally claiming that a shitty movie is like in the top 100 AFI 
And I got to say, you didn't straw dog us. Thank you. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you, so you, you like the movie? You yeah, chose a I liked good movie. it. So uh, before we get into the 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 Swedish movie, I uh, want to say a quick thank you to all those listeners who have supported us. First of all, thank you for the emails and the comments and the questions um, and for the Patreon support. It's really been been – my heart is moved every single time I log on to Patreon. I know I don't log on as much as you do, Tim. Blown away by like the support. Really happy and really proud and – we have another another newsletter is coming out shortly. Should be soon after this episode is released. And because it's been sort of a uh, slow month for me, I've been watching tons of TV. So I got I got some some choice recommendations that Tamler would. Because I uh, I've been traveling, guys, so I have, <laughs> yeah. have you ever thought about webcamming? Like <laughs> like masturbating on camera? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You you could just. I mean, I tend to record all of my yeah. masturbatory stuff. You could just sit like there that. and read Kant, possibly. Uh, you mean like doing a live show, though? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe your fans would like to chat with you. One of the things that's held us back is that we edit a lot, and and so we don't want like a live listener audience, because um, editing takes us from from crappy to mildly pleasing. Um, but we should, we should, but thank you for all your support for, uh, you can go to very bad wizards.com uh, slash support to see the ways in which you could support us. You can leave it, leave us a review on iTunes. We got it. We got one negative review. Did you see that? Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. And we, like, and we could read that, but I think it's more negative of me than you. <laughs> it was clear who they were talking about. Email us very bad wizards at gmail.com or tweet to us at very bad wizards at Tamler at peas. And if you want to give Yoel a hard time at your Y O R L and uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So force majeure. Where do you come from? From Sweden. Sweden. Yes. Very good. It was quite uh, shocking. I, everyone is fine. I mean, they, they yeah, know what they're right. doing. And he got so scared that he ran away from the table. What? <laughs> This is a movie that actually a bunch of listeners recommended that we talk about. So I'm just going to give a brief outline of the plot. You have this family of four. Ebba. Yeah, well, really quickly, I should say, I don't think this movie has spoilers, really. But if you haven't watched the movie... You, sh- you probably should watch the movie. Yeah, because we're gonna complete. We're gonna spoil the shit out of this. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, totally. Although, although again, I think it's one of those movies that that weirdly you yeah. could probably tell the the plot and still not. It wouldn't affect your viewing of it that much. Yeah, you can know everything but, about yeah. this, and I think still yeah. enjoy. It. When I watched it the first time, I was wondering if something fucked up was going to happen with the janitor, mm. or if there, there's <laughs> things that don't happen that I think it's spoiling to tell. Yeah, maybe. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so this is directed by Ruben Ostlin. It centers around this family, husband and wife, Tomas and Ebba, and then there are two kids, Vera and Harry. And then there are these other characters, Mats and Fanny. In some reviews, I've seen that Mats is is Tomas's brother. Yeah. Um, Oh, I didn't get that. It's hard to tell. But but it's totally unclear whether that's true. 
but they come in later in the movie. It's this family that's going on a ski vacation, and all you get really from the opening scenes is that the the husband Tomas is kind of a workaholic and doesn't and has a hard time sort of devoting or fully focusing on family time. There's this scene that seems pretty innocent early on where he's not supposed to be on his phone and his wife says, are you on your phone? And he is, but pretends not to be and she kind of catches him. I don't know. We talked about this yesterday, Dave, but I, I, I saw that as pretty innocent and the kind of thing that happens in most marriages. Well, yeah, but, but finish the summary because then I, cause I actually – we do have something to say about right. those specific instances yeah. where I think so – there, yeah. There's clearly – there's a reason why that scene is there. But, if, yeah. but they have a first ski day where it's a nice – it's a nice family day. They go out, they ski, they all take a nap on the bed. They're all pretty beautiful. They're all good looking, you know. And and then the next day, they're having lunch at the ski resort on the slopes. And we've already seen a few sort of controlled avalanches that this place in the French Alps does for reasons that we're never we're, we're not quite sure of, but that I imagine happen. And then all of a sudden, they do one of these avalanches during lunch, and this and the 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 avalanche starts coming towards them. And the wife, at first, sort of is a little scared by it. the The husband, Tomas, is 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 pretty cool. He thinks, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's controlled. They but she's sort doing. of worried. But then, all of a sudden, it looks like the avalanche isn't going to stop before them. It's going to come and hit them. The kids start getting nervous, and the the husband is still saying, oh, it's okay, Harry. But then right when it looks like the avalanche is going to hit them, the the wife, Ebba, grabs her kids and sort of, like, tries to smother them and protect them. And and Tomas grabs his phone, (laughs) grabs his gloves— and runs away, and I've watched this scene now a few times, and he kind of screams, too. <laughs> like, he goes like, ah! Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, really it's, well shot, and, it, and, yeah. and p- part of why it's such a, I think, a powerful scene is because it turns out that even you as a viewer, as you're seeing the avalanche come, you're sort of feeling that, the ambiguity of like should we you know and you feel the crowd the crowd they did a really great job of like the crowd not knowing whether to be afraid or not and you don't right. want to be the first one mm-hmm. to freak out yeah but there is this sort of i guess an illusion of that the avalanche is going to hit you when it's actually just all of the mist that's coming from the avalanche that was still far far away but that and doesn't as, but it takes like a while for it to realize that that's What's you as the viewer on? don't yeah. even realize yeah. until they yeah. start getting up and you're like, oh, they're not even covered in snow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. This is one I wish I had seen on the big screen. Cause... And the, oh, the yeah. husband is long gone. So there's this like very uncomfortable, I don't know, two-minute period. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's probably, the wife it's probably is... not even two minutes. It's probably like 15 seconds, but it feels so long where you're like, where the fuck right, where, is where, he? Where, where is he? And, and, and they're like – it's enough time for, <laughs> for the mother to gather up her kids – and then have them sit down at the table, notice that the mist has cleared and that they're not covered in the snow. And then the, the, there's this moment where the, the daughter, Vera, says, where's, like, where's Papa? Where's Daddy? Mm-hmm. And then after that, like, as people who did run start coming back in, he kind of follows them and sits down. Super nonchalantly. Kind of nonchalantly. And the whole movie is about, in a really interesting way is about them dealing with 
that incident? What what happened? One, of the, there's a bunch of interesting aspects to how they deal with it. But the f- the first one is that Tomas won't talk about it or admit it. So Ebba at first just wants to talk about it with him and just <laughs> lay it all on the table. What happened? Why did that happen? And he won't talk about it. And it, um, it still takes her a little bit of time to even bring it up because yeah, like, you would think true. that he would bring it up, and but she's just not bringing it up. But she's clearly bothered. She's clearly bothered. Nobody brings it up. The kids yeah. like the, they they finish that meal, that lunch in silence, and then go back to their room in silence, as at least as far as we know. Then she wants to talk about it, so they shove their kids in the room. <laughs> but but there but this janitor is in there who. <laughs> will recur in the movie. One of a number of (laughs) recurring motifs in the movie, this janitor. They're not able to have a conversation about it. So the the way Ebba deals with that is she talks about it when there are other couples present. So there are two scenes, and these are the most, like, awkward, uncomfortable scenes that I've seen in recent movies. The first scene is with this couple that they don't know very well, and the couple themselves have just met that day, and she tells them for the first time what happened, that he ran away. He got so scared that he ran away from the table. What? No, I did not. Yes, you did. Okay, no, I did not. She says to him and. You grabbed your gloves, you grabbed your phone, and you ran away from me and the kids. Uh, and Tomas kind of denies it. He's like, right, and she's of- bringing it up in this awkward, like, like, ha ha ha, right? Almost like, sort okay, of. we might be able to diffuse this if you'll accept this and let me lightly mock you in front of friends. And I think that she's using this maybe as a misguided strategy by bringing it up as a sort of like a, a an attempt at a lighthearted. Well, it's like, her only option because he yeah. will not talk about it in private with her. I don't know. What was I, – I didn't get that it was lighthearted, Yoel. What was your reading of that first scene? Uh, well, I mean it seemed like she was upset but trying to look like she was joking about it. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's – she starts off by trying to laugh after she's accusing. Yes. Right When it's not – it's very different from the second scene with the lovely torment from – Game of Thrones and his big red beard. Yeah. Um, with the second couple and they talked to, where it's, just a, yeah, where it's just a very upsetting, where she just tells the story in tears, yeah. right, straight through. In this one, she's testing the waters. I, I agree. So his first strategy, um, uh, the husband, Tomas's first strategy is an insane one, which is just like, well, we must have just seen, you know, you have your point of view. I have mine. He's trying to uh, Rashomon the fucking thing. Right. Yeah. And it's really the events were unambiguous. And I think that one of the things that when that other guy in that dinner scene, the first couple they're talking to uses the word brave, he reacts to it. Yeah. And, and to me, that told me like, no, he knows what he did. Like, he doesn't oh, he genuinely at all, mm-hmm. right? Like, he doesn't... Well, because he actually starts the conversation. He says something like, we actually... And it's all in awkward English. We actually had <laughs> yeah. an experience today, you know? And yeah, yeah, He tries to play it off as if it's, the, oh, we had this funny experience, and it was just chaos, and 
and then when she lays it out that he sh- that he just abandoned her and the family out of fear, he kind of says that's so interesting that you would see it that way. I didn't. Right. But he never explains how he saw it. Yeah, no. Um, so then um the second scene, like you said, is a lot more fraught, and this is where either his brother or an old friend comes with a young girlfriend, and they are having dinner or drinks in their hotel room, and the the, the young girlfriend starts telling a story about someone stepping up to her in a bar and being aggressive and 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 Ebba the the wife just interrupts her and tells the story in painstaking detail right because right? these these guys are actually their friends the first couple were like people, uh, they, had people they had met that yeah. day yeah I mean she goes step by step through the thing that I and it's interesting and this happens in the first conversation too the reaction of the couple and especially the man at first is to try to justify it or excuse it or de- right? to defend the man to defend right? the man yeah. yeah but you could tell that their heart wasn't really <laughs> isn't it, it, they just want to like diffuse conflict yeah. like their heart isn't totally into defending yeah it. But they're just trying to diffuse the conflict. The the friend or the brother says something like he kind of does a kind of evolutionary psychology explanation. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Well, you don't understand. We have these instincts, and it just they it leads one to right. survive." I, and she's like, "Shouldn't the instinct be to protect your freaking kids?" Totally. Which I want to come back to. That's like a yeah. real theme. Um, yeah. So I watched this with Rachel. And she really didn't like that. Your wife, my wife, um, which a lot of reviews said, don't do not watch this with your uh, significant other. Yeah, that's came up a lot. Like this is not a date movie. So anyway, she didn't like that. Eva kept dragging other people into it. She thought that was yeah, uh, yeah, kind of a messed up thing to do. And I mean, it does obviously it makes people feel super awkward. So. Like, but doesn't like I felt like that was her only option. Is it? I, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like she had tried to talk to him. She was like, oh, I can't. Clearly, he's not talking about it. I have to use social pressure to right. like, shame him into talking right. about it. I, I wouldn't say it's unfair to him necessarily, but it's definitely unfair to the other people who are just unsuspectingly like Super trying to awkward. have dinner. Right? Super and awkward. They're especially really the first, the first couple. Yeah, we like we barely know them. They invite yeah. you to dinner, and then they have this weird, like, tense quasi-argument, especially the American guy who's like, then they speak, speak in Swedish for a while. He must, yeah. at that point, be like, what the... like?" And, and he doesn't even seem like he's that thrilled to be with the woman. Yeah. No, he's with. no. You get the sense that he already felt a little trapped and uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. before this whole thing started. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, what did she... Yoel... I'm sure this happened, or at least it happened to me, because I saw it with Jen and Eliza, my daughter. What would you have done in that situation? Oh yeah, so was, did that come up? Yeah, absolutely. And she was like, "Oh no, you would have run." She was very, she was very certain. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, totally. And oh, it was like, man. "Why would she's you say like that?" The, she was like, like "I the just young girl. I feel like you don't really like children. Like you just." <laughs> <laughs> but what about to her? <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I didn't want to push her on it because. <laughs> Because there's no winning Yeah, exactly. Argument. Exactly. You're not going <laughs> to like the we answer. saw. <laughs> as, as, 
as we see in the movie when the the other couple yep. Tormund uh, they stay up the whole night because he's so fucking bugged that that his girlfriend his twenty year old girlfriend not only did she say that he didn't th- she didn't think he would do it but she brings up by name some other guy <laughs> some other dude who yeah. she says would. and it's like. I had mixed feelings, so I was like, "Dude, you're don't be such a fragile ego. Like, don't be that way. Like to the guy, but at the same time, she has to know that's a fucked up thing to do to somebody. Like, yeah, my experience might be either worse or better. I don't know, but so I think I probably brought it up because this was my first thought. Like, what would I do in that situation? I'm desperate to believe that there's no way I would have acted like him. That I would have jumped on Eliza and like, you know, and, and I believe that Jen would have too. And so we would all been there and come what may. And the idea that I would run like that is so abhorrent to me. So I said that. And then like, they're like, yeah, I think you would have stayed. Um, and I said, really? Like I, I was like sort of pressing them. Like, are you sure you believe that that's what you think I would have done? And they're like, yes, that's what I think you would have done. But then when the young girl says, and also the, the Ebba says, that's a mother's instinct. Jen's like, yep, that's right. That's a mother's instinct more than a father's <laughs> instinct. And I was like, but, but I, I, so you're saying you don't think I would have? I, I, you're saying you think I would have run away? And they said, no, but it's a mother's instinct. Right. And, and so I got like very defensive and we had to like pause the movie for five If they're going to pick one person to run away, like forced choice, it's definitely going to be you. right and i just don't think i would have but i think that's one of the as a as a as a guy watching this movie that isn't that is an important question right that but like i i don't want to bring in straw dogs here too much but that you keep picking these movies that are like a dude discovers what sort of man he really is (laughs) i I know they're attacks on his masculinity (laughs) yeah like the 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 fragility of of masculinity is a theme so are are you guys really confident that you know what you would do in that sort of a situation no no absolutely yeah i'm struck by your confidence actually how many avalanches have you been in i I, 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 you know, I haven't been in any avalanches, but there have been situations. I don't know. No, I don't know. Like that, that, that's the hard part. I mean, that's what's so fascinating about the movie, I think, is it deliberately picks an event that you really don't have anything to compare your, or most people will not have anything to compare their previous experience with. Right. But. At the same time, you would find it unforgivable if you acted the way that Tomas. I don't know. I don't know that I would. I mean, that's hard to say. I don't know. And so, yeah. And this is what I think. Maybe, maybe this will be controversial. It's a red herring that this movie is about that singular act. I think that his cowardice, yeah, is afterwards lies all yeah. in his refusal right. to discuss this, right? It, because I think it's actually quite forgivable. I think that if he would have uh, just said, so. you come back right away and you're like, I'm sorry, yeah, I don't you know just what say, happened. Like, I can't fucking believe yeah. that I did yeah. that. Like, this is like, well, I she, apologize. And even Ebba says that. She says yeah. like, okay, that happens. She says that in response to the evolutionary psychology <laughs> explanation. Like, yeah. But you own up to it. You at least admit that you did it. But I don't I, agree. I This is interesting because I completely yeah. disagree. Uh, I think once you've done that, <laughs> it, there's, a, there's something unforgivable about just the act itself. I, I guess that I, I see her reaction as as justifiably upset at his running away, but her upset it, it grows and grows as he continues to refuse to acknowledge his actions and then 
culminate in this really uncomfortable moment where she says, it's on your iPhone. We can look at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And he has like to just sit there while everybody else sees his shameful behavior and shameful, especially since he was like lying about it. And it was yeah. so hot. Dude, and also if like, you're going to lie, at least delete the video. Man, delete the fucking video. Oh but my God, wait. that's what I was thinking. So yes, that is. And then she has the video and then you can just see the confidence just drain totally. from his face. And that's great. I will say though, I don't think it's that big a difference. The fact that that video exists whether he owned up to it or not, to me, is the main issue. So I want to talk about why you guys don't think that that's like an unforgivable action to just leave your two kids and your wife, book it, and, and, and grab your iPhone and your glove. So you're clearly like thinking about protecting something. It's, it's not that I, I don't think it's wrong. Not even that I don't think it's deeply wrong. I just think it's like one of those things where you just it's it's not unforgivable right i mean there are lots of things that i would never want my partner to do like including infidelity and betrayal and all sorts of things but most of that shit i think is forgivable in the right relationship i think as you just said like what really is fucked up is his refusal to even negotiate how to deal with this i didn't just say that i said that that was extra like that's just the cherry on top of fucked upness but i don't think that that is the thing so so here's my case for for not unforgivable which is that it doesn't seem like he was thinking straight in a moment of panic people will do weird shit and you just have no idea like i feel uncomfortable uh judging somebody else when i if i'm being honest like i would like to think i would stay but i have no idea because i've never been in a situation like that like, what's the situation that you've been in that's closest to that, even? But see, I don't think that matters. It like, totally matters. You have no idea how you would act. No, maybe I would act that way. But here's the other thing. If Jen left me because I did that, I wouldn't hold it against her. That to me seems okay. Crazy. But if somebody did that to you, would you forgive them? I think is the real question. Because it's well, not. But it's different. I do think saying... there's a gender issue here. Like, if Jen booked it, which she wouldn't. So it's hard to judge, but like if she booked it like that, yeah, I would forgive her. I'd probably think, you know, I don't know, it'd be fun so, to joke about later. I think that that uh, you should take a restorative justice approach to this, and just if they hugged it out um, and forgave each other, it would all, it would all work out. No, but I'm serious. So I get that it's instinctual, and I guess that it's not voluntary. But the fact that he did that. To me, seems, seems is it because you think it's reflective of his true character? Because because if if it were just like a you know a reflex like getting your knee banged at the doctor's, it just doesn't matter. But it sounds like what you think is that this is reflective of his character in a way that makes it unforgivable. No, and, I don't know why it sounds that way. I, well, I don't know it, if it's reflective it of his character or not. It kind of seems like it is. But but I don't think we we know whether it's reflective of his character at all. But what makes it seem unforgivable to you is, I guess, what I'm asking. Because that if you, he we left can... his family and and ran away. No, I know when... what it is. That why that's it what is. that's it's just that it's just like it's just what he did. It's just the action. There's no other thing. Huh? How can you hold something against somebody? If it's not something that they, you know, would have done if they had a minute to think about it and they're in, the, in this extraordinary situation and it, they're sort of acting on instinct in a moment. Yeah, you're basically you, saying you really think that wrong. that's not possible? What do you mean it's not possible? 
to I mean, blame somebody for something that they just do. Yeah, but but we're not saying it's unforgivable. We, we've like granted that you would be upset and might even blame, but I don't know that it's in a class of of unforgivable act. I don't know. There's something about it. It's so basic. Like you protect your family. That's like your number one job as a dad. I know, but I think that this does boil down to the confidence you have that you would you would No, do it. it doesn't. Like I'm not 100% confident by any means that I would have. But if I would have been like Tomas, then I get if somebody would say, "Okay, that's it. Starting over." Yeah, I mean, I I I don't think I think that I would hope that they would give me a second chance for something well, that I couldn't control like that, but I would yeah. hope that too, but I would understand. Like it doesn't seem to me to be I I wouldn't be complaining. Yeah, I just I I, I don't feel the intuition. I mean, it seems crazy to me because it's by definition this really extraordinary situation. If like so they sort of stack the deck in the movie because in other ways he's like a lousy husband and father, but suppose he's yeah. not. Um, and this is just this. Uh, is he? Is he that lousy? Yeah, well, he cheats agree. on his like, wife, he's, and he's he, clearly he, like he taking cheats. care of his kids constantly. She goes and skis by herself, and he he deals with those kind of. Well, he has that like after. sobbing breakdown in front of his. I, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves. But anyway, that's not the yeah. point. The point is like suppose that he's a perfectly good and loving husband and father, and he has this one moment where acting on instinct, he does something bad. Does that you know? It, it seems bizarre to say like oh yeah i totally understand if you want a divorce over that because like okay if they were going to be in an avalanche a week then you could be like okay i want somebody who has good instincts in avalanches but that's like a, a one-off you know yeah I mean, I mean maybe it is reflective of his character in some sense but only in the most basic sense that when the shit goes down you're going to be thinking of yourself instead of your family. That that's why so I can catch the intuition if you think it's reflective of his character. So if if you think that like it really comes to to reflect there's actually a quote um that I wrote down by by Tormund Matz the friend when he's talking and he's trying to justify it. He says when you're in survival mode he may not be able to live up to his values. I think it turns on a lay theory of what happens in those situations. And I've been in certain situations where I've applauded myself for like not acting cowardly. And I've been in situations where I have totally just run and almost shit my pants because I thought I was in danger. Yeah, Never in the context of like my daughter. Like I, I have the feeling that my instinct would be to grab my daughter, but, but who knows? And I think the survival mode analogy is that l something else is kicking in and you're not actually reflecting who you are. But I agree with Yoel that they've stacked a deck in this movie and maybe all of the behavior afterwards is convinces me that it actually this is maybe just a symptom of him being a shitty person. If you buy what I'm selling, which is that this is a borderline unforgivable act of cowardice and abandonment of his family, then at that point it's like I will try to rescue this by any means necessary. Like he's so ashamed that this is his strategy because there's no other alternative. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you're arguing for our point of view. No. Because if it's so horrible, it's like, you know, I've already killed these three people. <laughs> now I got to kill the witnesses, too. Clean up. <laughs> Clean up.
<laughs> the janitor. It's true. I agree with you in a sense that this central this central scene that causes all of the rest of the stuff to happen is really important. But I think it's important because of all of the human interactions that they have afterwards. And the like, it's kind of just not going to be solved whether or not he was acting out of like just instinct that shouldn't be blamed or whether it's reflective of his character. But one thing becomes clear as that uncomfortable moment colors the rest of the movie. What strikes me as just ugliness is his denial, like his refusal to admit that that he did it. And then that breakdown was just it was half half fake and then and like as a weird like strategic attempt to get sympathy and it works on his kids you know when he comes in and they're like feeling so sorry they're like mom why don't you like comfort dad and she she's half is like "Ah, because that's bullshit man this is bullshit like i don't even think so was that your reading that it was partly bullshit yoel it seems so over the top and they have the I fake crying started, right before, right? Right, right. So we that's that much is is he admits to that's fake crying, and then he like really loses it. What I, what struck me is that the part that is genuine about that breakdown is all about him feeling sorry for himself. And so when he's yelling out like that was I couldn't stomach it. To me, that was the most uncomfortable scene when he's like, "I'm the victim too." And he's talking about himself in the third person, like that guy who's cheated on his wife and that guy who like ran away. Who cheats, I'm like, at, like, who cheats at games with who his kids. Who cheats yeah. at games with his kids. Like this is to me like, oh, this guy, he won't even say I cheat. So his tantrum is about not being recognized as a victim. Coddled even. Coddled. Isn't that what you guys <laughs> are saying? Like that it's you don't know like how you would act in a split second isn't reflective of who you are. So it makes sense to talk about that person in the third person because it's not reflective of you. Yeah, that applies less to cheating at games with your kids, though, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's like it's the I think that's why it's a good ambiguous moment that leads to this self-reflection about who he is. And it turns out that he's actually a bad person. But it's to to me it's sort of luck because he had a tantrum. No, because of all the things that he admits to while he's having the tantrum. Did you not sense that he's a despicable? Yeah, we're person? supposed to not like him. I mean, the question of like whether he's a good person or not is sort of it's uninteresting because they're like very clear about he's not a good person. Right. Um. You know, it's funny because we we I I don't know if we're supposed to think he's not a good person in general. Or we're supposed to think that this event highlights the weaknesses in his character. But had this event not happened, he might otherwise be as good a person as most husbands are. Like, that's just how husbands are, you know? Like, um, who among us has not cheated at card games with their kids? No, but uh, so so that. But setting that particular detail aside. So this is actually like I think some nice like a nice little maybe intentional structure. The event. I am totally in agreement with you that we might not know that he's despicable without this. But it's it didn't cause his cheating on his wife and his like it didn't cause that. It just it brings it to light. But I think that the trick. There are characters that cheat on their wives that we don't automatically think are bad people. No, you're right. But. I, I find it hard to believe that you don't 
think that his whole handling of the situation reflects poorly on him. Well, no, but, I do, but like just as you guys said, you don't know how you would react in an avalanche. You don't know how you would react had you reacted that way in an av- avalanche afterwards. No, but that is where your character comes through. Like that, the handling of like conflict and like the what you say and what you do when you apologize yeah. and you, you, even if you don't think you did anything wrong, you admit that that it could have hurt. That is all truly reflecting right. character. And maybe I haven't been in that exact post avalanche situation, but I sure have been in cases where I've uh, been in the wrong and felt shitty about it and then needed to say that I was sorry. And that's right. something that if you're, you know, so here's the, here's the, hold on. Here's my brilliant, my brilliant little piece of like exegesis, just like the avalanche was fake, right? The uh-huh. avalanche never really was a threat. His cowardly response is as much a red herring as anything else. They're both just triggers for all of the human reactions. It's not, it would be one thing if they had... And in fact, I thought this before I knew anything about the movie. I thought, oh, they were really in an avalanche and like he left his family, right? But no, it's bullshit. It's just not even important. It's like it was fake. And it's actually like a meaningless event. Nobody was hurt. It's just that all of the response afterwards, I, I don't think she's a great person either. But no, like, no. Yeah, I think and I think the kids are horrible. <laughs> this is horrible. I like the kids. <laughs> oh, that was the best birth control watching that movie. I wanted to they were strangle them. Yeah, Bart Simpson, Homer Simpson style. I was yeah, cut them some slack. Like that was a fucked up thing to happen to them. Yeah, they were Still, whiny little man, brats I, before. Mine. My, my I, I don't know. My. Maybe I'm just blessed by having a constitutionally different, like, child. But yelling at you and just ignoring you and then going from ignoring if to you yelling. Locked her, if you locked them in a room with, like, a janitor, I would hope my daughter yelled at me. Then go, then good that you hope that. But, like, mine wouldn't. She would cry and ask me why I did that. But it's not just that. Like, they're just, like, also just, like, on their iPads, ignoring their parents, like, completely. Yeah, no, and their there's, parents nothing, are just, like, there's nothing they do that's good. <laughs> Except for acting, maybe. I just uh, wanted to say, I'm not sure whether uh, running away during the avalanche is, whether I would call that cowardice. Like, to me, cowardice is something that you have to think about. So cowardice is if you consider what the right thing to do is and you decide not to do it because consequences are too well, bad. Would you, or, feel shame? would you feel shame if you... I just feel like it's. it just seemed like moment of panic. You know, so running away in a moment of panic... That, that's, but you wouldn't feel shame if you I, I did would, that? You know, I mean, maybe in the same way Imagine that... Imagine that you had a kid. Right. Yeah, I, I might feel ashamed in the same way that I would if I, like, I don't know, farted audibly in a... <laughs> oh, my God. That's embarrassment. <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't feel I, uh, more I, differently. I, I would that. feel deep shame. But that's why I'm so compelled by the, the view that what he ought to do is, is apologize. Right. To me, he did abandon them. And even and I guess this maybe is my view of of blame here, but I would feel probably more blameworthy than other people would feel about me in reacting that way, because I wish that I were like could be the no, person. I think who that's didn't right. That. But I think that's like, sorry, I kept you up all night snoring or sorry, I vomited on your rug. You know, <laughs> but, the count, like... but the counter, but the counterfactual that they, that it could have been a real avalanche and that they could have died. That would fuck with me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like farting. It wasn't yeah, would that you like... feel like that if, if they had died in it, Yoel? Yeah, I get that. 
You can't die for, from snoring. And, no. I mean, this, wor- this, wor- this actually worries me about myself. Like, I feel like I haven't been tested. I know. I feel, I, yeah, so me too. That's what fucks with me. I, I do think it's important that they have kids in the sense that she can't run. If he runs and she she's got to protect the kids by herself, like that's an important dynamic yeah. too. And that's – I actually think you have a more optimistic – take on well yoel's is just incomprehensible to me (laughs) but yours dave is more optimistic than mine which is he's not that bad a guy this freak event happened that could happen to any of us and who knows how we would react and that just legitimately derails an entire but this is my claim that it wouldn't derail it if you were a better person it, he could have had. He could have know. dealt. He could have dealt with this in a much more mature way. Right? So yeah, he definitely could have. But what, like, imagine that he had. Paint the story. Take. Tell the story now that he's like, I am so sorry. I can't believe I did that. I'm so deeply ashamed of what I did. I hope it's you know whatever you want him to do. You don't think the wife is still going to be like you fucking left our me and the kids and grabbed your iPhone and the gloves like. That, that you can say what you want, and it's better than if you pretend it didn't happen. But I don't know. I'm I mean, I, 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 it, it wouldn't be like that interesting of a movie. Um, but I think that like there, the reparation, like I really do think that what we learn about his character is almost zero from the avalanche incident and a whole shit ton afterwards. So I think that he's actually like a not a good person solely from the events that occur after fine but the marriage is still fucked up i maintain well it depends i'm like, sure no matter but, how we react i mean but that's because you know you, could, know you could be married to somebody who feels about it like i do or you could be married to somebody who feels about it like tamler does and so it really depends on like what you know what the other person's right. lay theory is right so you said earlier like it's it comes down to like a lay theory of character um, yeah. And I I believe that that lay theory is um, wrong or at least way overgeneralized. So, like, I do think that, you know, you can predict people's – what people will but do. what I was but, saying is it depends on what your theory is. Some people might have the theory that that's super diagnostic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they think there's some, think like, that. yeah, right, some deep truth to how, how somebody reacts in this situation and that it's, like you said, diagnostic. I don't think that, by the way. You don't? No. Yeah, well, I mean that's what's so unclear, but that's what's unclear about like I, I it's think just I believe in moral luck. Like this was bad moral luck on his part, but that doesn't But mean it revealed something about him that was important. Right. So what would you hinge yeah. your bets on? You have two pieces of information. One is that a guy is acts in the way that the guy acted after like after this event happened. Like he lies, he denies, he breaks down and cries and makes it, talks about himself in the third person. That and then there's just a guy who, in a split second reaction, didn't didn't run to his wife and kids. Which one do you think would be a better husband? Well, that one, but that yeah. doesn't mean it's the husband I'm going to stay with if I'm the mother. No, yeah, right. It just means that yeah, of course it. That's a better way of reacting to it. But I could still see it like destroying. The marriage and legitimately so. It Again, that's be. why and I say like I... if that happened, I think I'm a really good dad. I think I'm a very involved parent providing in ways that 
fathers are supposed to provide and parents are supposed to provide. But had that happened and Jen just said, look, I can't go on like this, I would understand. And it's not because it reveals anything else about my character that had this that had been concealed up to this point. It's just that I did it. Right. So a couple of things. I think one is that that this movie, it, you know, it's not a controlled experiment. I, you know, it really right. infuses the discussion that um, that we probably believe that he was not a good husband before and after. And so that will taint. She already seemed probably kind of unhappy in the relationship. And I think that this is where, it may, like all the reviewers who talk about this is about gender, right? Like it could be that she, in fact, both of them, like his masculinity in the relationship is threatened and her views of what a man should be are threatened in a not like in a way that I don't think is justifiable, but in a way that really reflects the way people believe men should be and, and women should be in a relationship where she could like I agree with you, Tamler. She could very well say, like, dude, you suck. That's not what a man does. And I might resist that, but I could understand it. I would understand it, too. And it might not even be her stated position, right? Right. Right. It, it might just even ruin be it. something that she is in theory against. But... Right. She could lose re- – like one way of saying it is I can see easily, and I've seen this happen, Yeah, like people just lose respect for their partner because of something that they think like a man shouldn't be this way, and they just completely lose respect. But I kind of blame society. Yeah. Did so, you guys see that Louis episode, Bully? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. What happens in it? Louis is out on a date with this. Louis C.K. is out on a date with this woman, and she and and like these high school kid, kind of a bully, steps up to him in this donut shop in a really obnoxious, <laughs> drunken way, and he tells him to like quiet down. And then the the kid challenges him to a fight, and he says, "I'm not going to fight you." And he says, oh, come on, are you scared? And he, and he won't fight him. And then afterwards, they go outside, and the woman wants to go home. She says, yeah, no, this is – I'm really surprised that I'm feeling like this, but that was a real turnoff. You didn't really want me to fight that guy, did you? No, he, no, no. That guy was pretty yeah, serious. Of course, no, of course. Hey, look, I don't – I'm getting this weird feeling like you're looking down at me right now for what just happened. I don't – I mean, I would never want a guy to fight. That's, of course, it's so stupid. I'd be pissed if you did. And, you know, I mean, being violent is just the dumbest thing ever. And, you know, who cares what you have to say to get the guy off your back? I I totally feel that way. But, um... What? I just, I don't know. I mean, if I'm being totally honest, that was a turnoff, seeing that. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I don't know. I just, it's like a primitive thing or something i mean you see this guy just totally debase himself and it's like just to be safe it's a turn off feel it's like, like my penis is soft yeah yeah no okay that's good to bring up though because like i can totally understand how you're saying if a woman uh in this situation were like well i just can't stay married to you i can see how that might happen but i can't yeah. imagine that's something that she would want to feel right right Right, right, and that's yeah. why it would take like two years of therapy. Yeah, right, where she, she might have just to, to like, like work, work through, through these reactions like... that she doesn't want to have. And they do make a the director makes a real point out of sort of showing that she's in a very traditional marriage, like um, that 
you know, as as evidenced by the how threatened she is by the discussion with the other woman when she talks about having an open marriage. Yeah. yeah. And even by when, you know, her one attempt at like maybe moving to a more independent role is like, no, I'll take my own credit card when I go skiing yeah. alone. <laughs> and I was like, wow, good for yeah. you. So you want to talk about the two different yeah. endings? Yes, definitely. Because I think that's those are really the two different endings. I only saw well, one. So ending. there's there's two. Well, there are two events, right? So there's <laughs> technically, <laughs> yeah, there's like by definition, um, uh, conceptually sloppy. Tandler, in what I thought was the ending, uh, they get sort of unwisely transported to the top of the mountain right when a pretty bad blinding snowstorm hits, and so. Here, they have to make their way down the mountain. It's all four of them. And a decision has to be made about what's, how they're going to do it. And the wife sort of uh, acquiesces or turns to him for advice. And he takes the leadership role, right? He's like, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk first. And then everybody's sort of sequentially behind me. And uh, But don't if I stop, you stop because there might be something dangerous. You know, he's taking charge. And you're like, oh, look at how cute. And just to interject really quickly, this happens mm-hmm. after the tantrum. Uh, exactly. After, and on their way up to this ski thing, the the kids are with him, and she's kind of by herself. Right. Um, and she's she's playing tail. So she's the very last person in the line. And as they're walking and he's telling them, you know, just, like, listen for my sounds because you really can't see. It's blinding. But we haven't mentioned this. This is gorgeously shot movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. this God. is a, beautiful. Just both the directing and the cinematography is amazing. And at some point, you realize or he realizes that uh, she has stopped moving at, because he's in auditory contact with the kids. And then they start – there's this shot of the three of them sort of in this blinding snow and uh, the mother's not there. And she, after a while, starts yelling, help, help, help. And he's like, stay there, kids. And then he, you know, takes off his skis, kind of slowly, by the way, and, uh, and makes his way up the hill and comes down sort of triumphantly carrying her in his arms, which would be the wackest ending if it were genuine and it had ended there. But what happens is that she, everything's like cool. They're all like together. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to go get my skis. So then like, or she didn't even say it. She just makes her way back up the hill. Well, no, he asks her, do you need any help? She says, no, like, I'll be no, fine. I'll be fine. And she just walks back up to get her shit where it's like, so clearly there was nothing wrong yeah. with her, right? Like she didn't need to be carried at all. And what's unclear, and Yoel, Tamler and I talked a little bit about it, so I want you to know your thoughts. What's unclear is, well, maybe whether it was staged, I think it was staged, but if so, who was in on it? Was it her staging it on purpose? Was he playing along, or did he really believe he was rescuing her? Um, did they plan it just for, the, for kids, the kids? Yeah. Just to- so I have a theory on this. What's your? What's what did your you think, Joel? Uh, yeah, no, I hadn't really thought about that. That it might have been like planned ahead of time. I thought she was sort of playing it up. You know, maybe she slipped and fell or something, and then she's like, "Oh no, I'm fine." Um, like maybe give him an opportunity to. Uh, be the man. Like she was throwing him. Yeah, up. exactly. Well, that's like the first. Yeah, that's like right. the first thing. She might not have planned it ahead of time because the previous night or something. But she might have, as they're skiing down, realized, oh, this is a uh, way is, for right. him to get respect from the kids back. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what's your theory? And, 
Well, so I actually don't have a huge theory about whether the two of them planned it or just she did it on the spur of the moment or whether she planned it the night before. But there's a question of why she so obviously trudges up the mountain <laughs> to get her skis, sort of exposing the fact that this yeah, is Yeah, yeah. Well, part. they're celebrating. And this is actually the part that, to me, was most illustrative. I think that... Um, there's a lot of the, one real possibility is that he is just engaged in the kind of self-deception that yeah. is so that is such a part of his character that he yeah. doesn't even realize that she's walking back up easily. Right. And I and I think that's true. So and that, you know, that's totally consistent with my idea. So I think she tried to make she tried to, like, explore whether you could live without her family, whether she could live without her family. And and it's in that conversation with the swinger lady like this can't work. Right. It can't be that easy. She she says almost like desperately. And I don't think she totally buys that. So so then, you know. Whether he was involved in the planning of it or not, she makes the decision, look, I, 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 this family is not going to work unless the kids respect their dad. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this happen. And unless maybe he gains back some self-respect that he's clearly lost. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that would only work if, if, he didn't know. He, right. if he didn't know. So he goes up and he kind of triumphantly emerges <laughs> carrying her, kind of struggling to carry her through the snow. The kids are all excited and they're, they're hugging each other and, 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 and everyone's like, cheer. And I think she's pissed at that point. I think she's like, this is bullshit. She, she, because she was already a little pissed that the kids were, mommy, why don't you like yeah. hug him? You know, like. And I think she wants, like, she wants to plant a seed of doubt in the kids' minds, and certainly Tomas's minds. Like, don't think that this really happened. Like, I think it's an act of mild spite hmm. on her part to just trudge up like that. I an understandable yeah. spite. That's that seems right to me because it's consistent with what I think is what what the final scene shows. Um, but it also is. I think a good test, the fact that he was so happy and so willing to believe that he had this time acted bravely yeah. when it was so obvious that she didn't really need the help. Like, I can see that being her little test. Yeah. Like, is he because if he's really being genuine, like genuine about this, he should be like, what the fuck? You didn't really need help. Like, mm. um, and but so instead, well, we don't know what their conversation was before. No. But, but he's clearly yeah, happy. Right. Like, I don't think he's faking happy, celebrating with his no, kids. No, I agree. Yeah. And that, that, that definitely leads one to think that it was really her idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm inclined to think that. Like, he seems to be sort of too dim-witted to have planned something like that. And it wouldn't—I don't think he could be that happy. I think she sort of—and this is why I think the second ending— what we call the second ending <laughs> is important. It's like, I think she, like, if you're looking at this in terms of a power struggle, even though he superficially sort of saved the day, like she's up on the power struggle. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then it's the next ending where that gets taken away. From yeah. Her. So you what I, I'm curious to, hear your raw thoughts about like that final scene on the bus yeah so uh well we should say what happens for the people who haven't seen it um there 
going home from the resort. Their vacation is over, um, and they have the world's worst bus driver. And it's this very narrow, winding mountain road. And the guy is like, you know, speeding down the slopes. And then when there's a turn, he like slams on the brakes. Then he has to back the bus up because he's gone too far. He can't get it around the corner. Yeah, it's like Embarcadero. If anybody knows the street in, in, in San, San Francisco. Francisco, it is literally like a side windy. Like you, you're almost making a complete turnaround yeah. every time you turn to go down the. Yeah. So you imagine Bill Zimbardo lives on that street. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to hit the brakes a second too late and the bus is going to go flying off the side of the mountain and, you know, explode and kill everybody. And it is freaky. Yeah. Look, that scene did more to like viscerally distress me than any scene in the movie in the sense that like you feel like you're there. I mean, I was watching on a, yeah, yeah. my beautiful big screen. Yeah. But, so then people yeah. start kind of getting upset and freaking out a little bit and demanding, you know, that he slow down. But really her. And, well, yeah, her and then, but everybody else is getting sort of restive, right? Yeah. But she starts, she's the like, instigator. She's hysterical. She's the instigator, right. And so finally, she, she's like, stop the bus, stop the bus. I, I have to get off, stop the bus. And he, he does eventually after he, he doesn't speak good English. <laughs> after just ignoring yeah. her. Well, well I, no, I think first he to, tries to open the door. The, but he the turns on the windshield wiper instead. <laughs> That's the best part. It's like, you really, you've never driven this thing before, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he's like having to do three-point turns <laughs> in the middle of this mountain road. And the, the illusion is you are in the bus with them literally going to the edge of the mountain and you have no sense of like how close you are to just falling completely over because you can't see the wall all you see is just gonna like plunge off the side of the cliff (laughs) Yeah. yeah so anyway he opens the door for her and she just runs off the bus leaving her husband and kids and then it's like where what what's up with maternal instinct where did that go Oh yeah, did she? Was it without her oh, kids? Yeah. Did she not? Yeah, no, she, she just left bolts. without her kids. She just see yeah. you guys. Peace. Yeah, and and then the 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 brother or the old friend, he, he he's still smarting from the from the girl who was like questioning his manhood. So he's like, everyone, calm down. Yeah. Women and children first. Right. By the way, Women and st- children first. He's psyched because I, I think like both him and Tomas knows that this isn't a real danger. Like one thing about Tomas, both in the avalanche and in this, is he, he takes these things calmly. Yeah. It's only like if the if the bus was like halfway off the cliff, he would get scared. But it would take that. Yeah, it's like they like, know about, they know what they're doing. <laughs> so this is a case where Tomas's calmness worked for him. Like if this could have been the the avalanche and everything would have been fine in their marriage. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's um in the avalanche scene the ambiguity of the situation is sort of it, the, it's resolved as the whole crowd realizes that they're really in danger or perceives that they're really in yeah. danger. In this one she really is the le- the leader, the ringleader of like too early to call out danger and exactly. then she riles everybody up mm-hmm. um and so she's probably made the false positive error like you know yeah. um but i think one it's way it's fucked to... up but it's not necessarily better for them to get off the bus. yeah no that's what rachel said they like have to walk right they need to totally get run over everybody everybody gets off the yeah. bus except for one person Ex- maybe except and then for the swinger the swinger lady who's like well <laughs> calibrated about risks 
Totally. She's like, it's Shit, not that dangerous. The amount of sex I've had. Right. Exactly. This would be the best way to die. So, but I think one, one possible way to read this is like, she made this big production before out of like my maternal instinct and how could you leave us? And like, I'm a better person than you. And then given the right situation, she's like, holy shit, I got to get out of here. You know? And yeah. Just no, I agree. Bolts. And, and she hands over as they're walking. She's like, asks Matt's, um, can you carry my daughter? Cause she's not yeah. even. <laughs> so yeah. like, and he's psyched to do it. Yeah. And he's psyched to do it. I can show pretty good. He kind of looks at the girlfriend, like the young girl. Yeah. Like, like, me and oh, and then she was like, did you guys get the sense that she was like totally texting yeah. Philip? Yeah. yeah. You know, she was like texting and didn't want him to see. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy that she said claimed her. The guy who lives braver. in his mom's basement. <laughs> yeah. like, Fuck all these old yeah. guys. <laughs> um, Torval, uh, what Torman speaks pretty good Swedish for a Norwegian. Wouldn't you say? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> oh, so one last thing. Um, so this didn't make any sense to me until you were talking about how he's self-deceptive. And the, yeah. the last cigarette is uh, uh, the last cigarette. The last scene is he bums a cigarette from this dude. Yeah. And this kid is like, yeah. Daddy, do you smoke? And he's like, I guess I do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, no. So, at so first, first he, no. he doesn't. At first he, he turn, turns down it. the cigarette. Right. And then he's like, actually, yeah. I would like one. Yeah. And 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 I don't know, like, like here's a open-ended question. Does he really smoke? Well, he's smoking. I, yeah, I took this scene to be a small growth in his character yeah. where he has admitted to to cheating with his kids. He's admitted to cheating on his wife. And I think that he probably secretly smokes but doesn't want anybody to know. And I think that this time he was like, fuck it. I'm not going to lie anymore. Yeah. Yes, I smoke. Like so that's, that's one possibility. The other possibility is I'm a big man now. Right. I just like handled this situation. My wife was like a panicked. It's like a post orgasm. <laughs> yeah. It was sort of like yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. I'm I'm a smoker. A moral yeah. orgasm. Yeah, but so, I think you're probably right. But I think it's if they deliberately overended. If they'd made him cough, I would favor your interpretation. You yeah, know, he it, looks yeah. like he's a smoker. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. Um, in it, so that's true. I think their marriage is over, by the way. I, I think there's a couple of ways to read it. I think it is too, but one way of reading it is, okay, now, like what Yoel just said, she just showed that in a moment of panic, you can abandon your kids too, so now we're even. Let's get back to our life. Yeah, maybe. But the, it's what struck me was the deliberate distance between her and him. Yeah. In, in that whole final scene. And it, and it felt as if that's what it was trying to communicate. Like, this distance is now. And she's, like, babbling afterwards, like, trying to justify it, kind of knowing, oh, <laughs> shit. That I just, she had just whatever like... moral high ground I just had, yeah. I lost. Yeah. Although it's really not analogous. I mean, it wasn't. I don't know. It's I... not analogous. I, I actually don't like that part of the movie that she yeah. gets. I, I don't buy that she would have gotten off the bus like that. Yeah. But the distant, the deliberate distance between the two of them is what makes me think that that the first, the false ending, failed in the way that you described. Where yeah. if they had been, if it had like led to a restoration of his status as like a brave man, then they would have been more unified in this, right? Right. All right. So maybe we should get to. We're going long, but we should get to some like general. Any general thoughts about everything? It was so nice to hear the. Uh... The awkward Euro English. 
It's kind of charming. So yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So hilarious. Let's talk about the janitor. Oh, the janitor. Yes. <laughs> well, you don't say. I was pointing out to Tamlo last night that you never see anybody who is really running the resort except for that janitor. Uh, it's almost as if he's like, yeah. you see the machine. You see the right. You hear the, yep. you, you know, but you never actually, like, he's like the only staff yeah. member there. Um, so what is his role? Like, he's present for... The most awkward oh, interaction. So between... awkward when he has to let them back into the room yeah. after he's already after started. He's his already breakdown. been bawling. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the trivial. It's very funny too. Like that, I I think he's in a little way in that kind of Swedish way comic relief. Just... Yeah. yeah. He so he's also clearly there in a really transparent way to to be a, an audience for his shame in yeah. it. You know he's he's positioned higher. He's like one floor above. Just the the camera angle is like judging from above. Um, he's always there when the guys are uh, concerned about their manhood. Like he's this sort of alternative, like hmm. just uh, a guy that's just a guy. Huh. I think he's Tom and Bombadil. Menace. He's Tom Bombadil. He's what about the toothbrushing? The recurring oh, the Russian teeth scene. Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah, that and there's one scene where it just starts up on its own again, right? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't crazy, right? It just turns on. Yeah. What, and you think to yourself, this thing is shot so intentionally yeah. that you cannot really believe that a director would just sort of by mistake, like, focus on the toothbrushes so much. Yeah. Yeah. So why the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. But those... like, I think you could learn a lot about the movie just watching those scenes back to back in terms of how the narrative is progressing. Because yeah. they're all really like there's one right at the beginning of the movie where everything is supposedly fine. There's one right after the event yeah. happened. And then there's one right before his breakdown. And there like, i didn't go do that but i bet that would be interesting yeah. to just notice the differences right the, i mean the scene where they're all in bed sleeping in their perfect matching swedish pajamas which i, <laughs> I can only yeah. assume is just a cultural tradition in yeah. in, in sweden um where you don't have just... matching pajamas with, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> with bella they're yeah, they're supposed to be the perfect family right like yeah this this is they are in some ways the model nuclear family. Yeah, yeah. Two point five. One boy, one girl. Right. A, a, a successfully a su- <laughs> successful husband. A. We haven't talked about. I have to talk about. We haven't talked about two things that that. Like one, I understand, and it's hilarious. The other one is that fucking weird rave scene that. In oh the yeah. That, yeah. Just. Which is just like okay, it's just a European, it's a foreign film. Yeah, like yeah, they it's like all of a sudden, like a huge group of like this is when he's skied alone, um, and he's coming down from the day with his friend, yeah. with his friend, yeah, and all of a sudden it's just huge, like a bunch of men shirtless start running at him, and he turns around and starts running, I guess, away from them, but then they end up having this super weird ravey shirtless. I'm not sure, gay. Uh, I or... didn't think it was gay. I think it was just European. No, but, it, but the lack of women was was. I just had right? a thought to try to explain that. Yeah. Do you, but 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 I have no Yoel. theory about that. If you've actually ever been to like a, it's a genre of like clubber bar, uh, the opera ski. 
So you have them even in places where it's not like a ski resort. It's like a thing. You go to like, you know, the Dutch loved it. You go to some like random Dutch town and they have like an opera ski club. And it is kind of like that. It's like sort of ravey. The music is terrible. It's like the the musical convention is they don't play anything for longer than like 30 seconds. And they don't beat match or anything. So it's just they like take off one record and put on a different record. It's like it, it is the worst experience in the world. And it's not quite as many shirtless dudes, but it's it's sort of close to that. So like. Yeah, and they were yelling and like, like I don't know what they were doing, but it was like why they were running. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what's your theory through the snow? I think those two days are the two are the couple. This just occurred to me. I had this about the other, about the mother, about Ebba, but them trying to figure out what life would be like on their own, and so she did it. And the the previous day, and then he does it, um, hanging out with his friend. I think if you connect it with right, the yeah. other great scene where yeah, the scene by the pool, he, yeah, oh, uh, by the pool the where this scene. girl comes up to her and says, "I think you're the hottest guy here." No, my friend, and then my friend, and my friend, says that you're my the hottest. Friend, guy my friend says, says you're the hottest guy yeah. here, and then she goes and then away. She comes and back like, like ten seconds later and says, my, "Oh, sorry, my friend was talking." <laughs> somebody else oh my god dude and and that is just like it's the most deflating (laughs) thing that he could have had happen to him in the movie like worse than i've had an experience what home really really hard (laughs) so so what's the story can you i i was at this video store this was when i was much younger and uh a girl was just smiling at me in a way that was like oh i think you're hot i think and i was getting a movie at the- and she just kept smiling at me and was just being really like sort of flirtatious and sort of wanted to tell me something and i don't know i was feeling kind of good i was still i was with jen you know we were just we were um living together but i was like oh this is cool this girl like would be good to go if uh then um, as I'm like paying for the movie, she says, "You have like bubble gum like all over your face." <laughs> That's awesome. And that def- what a that great totally story. Def- it's not that you're ugly. I'm not saying that you're I, not- I had constructed this whole narrative in my head of like, you know, how do I deal with this? How do I let her down? Right, right, right. I'm very um, flattered, but, but I'm taken. but 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 so like and then that and i think that represents sort of one part of being single these like it's kind of fun like he has a good day but then there are these embarrassing moments and then the other part of just the scary like i'm in this weird place alone and all of a sudden i get swept up in this fucked up thing it's stylized but it's like i think it's supposed to represent for him like what his life will be like if he's single yeah like hers was was um the day before yeah and, that's I, why, and they don't want to do that i like that like, i i really like that I, it makes sense to me that that's why yeah. um i there's one thing that it reminded me of when she's alone um and again this is obviously has to be intentional but why i'm not sure but when she lowers the ski arm um of the lift yeah and totally just like hits the other people <laughs> yeah and they're like dude like she doesn't bat an eye. And that to me was she's just a selfish person. Like, I, I think that she's just like she the fact that she didn't even fucking acknowledge that these people were like, dude, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Like, can you give us a heads up? It's not that she we know she understands English. She just fucking ignores them. Right? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. What kind of person she is? Because 
we don't really get much of a sense of her no. until after the event. Yeah. And you don't know to what extent this is just who she is and to what extent this she's just fucked up because of that. Yeah. I mean, it takes a certain kind of person to marry that guy. Very true. <laughs> she deserved it. All right. Uh-huh. I think we did justice. Maybe too much. To too much movie. justice. I mean, one of the things that Tamler, you brought up, um, we had said maybe we would look for some work on cowardice in the oh, philosophy yeah. literature, and it turns out that, that that we don't know about. We couldn't find anything really about cowardice. Um, whether or not this movie is, and you know, I don't know if it's about cowardice, but that's that's what the blurb on iTunes says it is. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that there's no. I, I wish we had talked about this more, but it's interesting that there's no philosophy on cowardice. Yeah. 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 Because you have this Yoel extreme view where like nothing can be cowardly unless you've deliberated about it for at least twenty five minutes. And then you have my view, which is like how you react instinctively in a type split one second. cowardice and type two cowardice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, system one, I mean system one and system two cowardice. <laughs> right. <laughs> system two cowards are really Why isn't there philosophy on that? Yeah, there should I, be. I don't know. And I was you know, I was saying to Tamu, I mean, clearly there's there's literature on fear and all that kind of shit and panic. But but cowardice is really the judgment like that. It's an inappropriate response to fear in under certain conditions. And it's a more like, uh, yeah, it's an, a non virtuous response. To right. Fear. Yeah. Right. Also, whether it um, bravery is something that we can require. So uh, Rachel is even stronger than I am. She's like, well, it's nice if somebody is brave. But I don't think right. that you can hold it against them for being cowardly. Yeah, there's a great quote um, by by Tormund. Uh, sorry, I keep, but he says he has this little soliloquy where he says the the enemy is the image we have of heroes, right? Mm. And he says most people are not heroic, and that struck me as as I think insightful. Like most people probably don't. Like the reason that we give out purple hearts is because most people don't do shit like that. Yeah, right. I wonder though, Rachel. So, Yoel, what do you think? How do you think she would feel in practice? So, you guys are walking on the street and like, like use her uh, as a human shield, and, and somebody, <laughs> right? Like, or somebody just like tries to mug you guys and looks like you know has a weapon and look, and and you just book it, just leave her there to to deal with that. Yeah. Like, is she going to be like, well, it's just instinctual? Yeah. And, like, I can't expect bravery of you. <laughs> Or is she going to change her mind? Yeah, no, it does seem like she might. That hasn't come up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's not inconsistent. She might be upset and yet still believe that it's not his fault. It's funny that co- calling someone a coward or yellow, all right, like calling someone yellow, or like not not in the racial sense, um, was just such a deep insult. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in fact, no one was thinking. That. <laughs> no one was thinking. That. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, was right like it still is the case that in many movies if you want to establish a villain as villainous you have him act cowardly right like he's the one who puts the baby in front of him as a human shield right right? the hero would never do that um and it was like just a deep insult to call someone a coward if someone called me a coward i'd be like i don't whatever like i don't one thing is whether i did act cowardly or not but just just the claim yeah. that you were a coward was like at least as if Western movies are a true historical indication, that was enough. Yeah. To like the, them's fighting words, right? Right. right. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe if, it is if it refers to something. Yeah, I mean, but somebody. But it. But I think in these cases they're like, are you yellow? You know, and it's like the guy gets really mad, right? It's like calling your mother a whore. It's a culture of honor thing, right? Yeah. Like if we had grown up in the South, maybe we would feel differently. We have the same intuition to you. But, but I, <laughs> I, I would take. <laughs> I, I would take it very personally if it was referring to an act. I do think that's a terrible thing to to call somebody, and I would be, you know, this is why I had to pause the movie for twenty minutes to like get them to like sign a notarized form that <laughs> yeah. I would not have run away from them. Yeah. You're the so you're so predictably yeah. like exactly like. Exactly. <laughs> It's exactly the reaction of Matt's in the movie. Right. Like that's exactly how you reacted. Totally, I, I, I was know. I completely identified right. with. So, Matt. Uh, David, you're sort of in the middle between us. Do you say like you're watching this with your spouse, and she's like, "No, I think you'd have run." I was about to say like I don't have a significant other to, like now that I would have watched it with, and so I may, it may have very much been colored. I by by that, and I I don't I I probably would get upset if that were just their deep like the way that the 20 year old girl just she, it wasn't even open for discussion she's like no she was so just like no that's how you would be like that would really piss me off because like well what what are your reasons right, for saying right, this right, right. like clearly like you have well, some... she gives reasons and it's funny because one of her reasons is that <laughs> his family <laughs> Is back in yeah, Oslo, and he's with a twenty-year-old girl. Like, where she's like, "Where's your family now?" Yeah, yeah. there's a little. Low. The other one is so weird. It was like, uh, "Your generation is more cowardly." Like uh, that one, I didn't get at all. Like, yeah, was... <laughs> yeah. These the millennials are are full of just like <laughs> moral <Yeah>. courage. <laughs> it's, um, as long as they can do it in their Ubers. There should be, you know, there should be a, uh, there should be uh, little training simulations where you can like practice running into buildings mm. instead of like fiery buildings instead of yeah. running out of them. <laughs> Did you not have that thought? I guess Yoel, you probably didn't. But I, my thought was, I have to. I haven't done anything in the year and a half since I first saw this movie. I have to do something to make sure that I don't act like that. Like I, have, I don't know what I can do. You know, it was uh, it was not a sustained thought, but it was that was my first thought was what can yeah. I do right now to make sure that that's not how I react in a situation like that? Huh. Uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be tested like that. Like I just uh, man. Yeah. Uh, but it's not about wanting to be tested in the sense of I want my family to be in danger. But is there something I can do so that if that ever happens? I won't. I, I'm. A, I can be a hundred percent certain that I won't react like that. Yeah, practice running into buildings. Right. <laughs> running into like, sorry, burning buildings is the key. You could uh, um, pay somebody to jump out at you with like a weapon or something at unpredictable intervals, and and another Arrested Development. Ah! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's why. why we don't... <laughs> I had this huge advantage up till a couple of years ago or a year ago or six months ago where I didn't care if I had lived or died. So <laughs> now, now with the, now, your final, like you were like yeah. an animal before you were like a, like a just existentially in, in the same state yeah. as a deer who's only afraid. Like when the car is coming, yeah. like everything else is copacetic, but now, now welcome, welcome to the neurotic life of a fully human, self, of a, like of human conscious being. human being. Mm. 
All right, uh, uh, Yoel, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, join us next time on Very Bad Wizards.